Hello, friends. It's that time again. Time to find them balls. Hopefully, they're not too uh, like uh, hot and sweaty. Hopefully, you don't have sweaty balls because it's that time of year that you might be looking for your sweaty balls. Anyway, my name is Jeff Stuckey in the shotgun position. As always, Greg Allen, hands on the wheel. Greg, how are you? All right. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, listeners. The uh, the more you open the show, the more I think I ought to open the show. Why? Why, why do you say that? <laughs> I don't know. You seem to take it places right off. What? The humidity is like fucking <laughs> insane. Like your balls aren't sweaty. Look, you know what? Let's talk, let's. I would rather do small talk. Well, we're going to do small talk, but I'm saying, like, we just need to empathize with what our listeners are going through. It's that time of year where it's like, I don't know, midday, like a okay. fresh pair of underwear might be like, oh, that's nice. Well, yeah, no, that's true. I'll go Man. with that. I, I change I don't really two like or three the, times a day. I don't, I've tried the talcum powder, but I don't like that. Mm-hmm. that little, mm-hmm. that's, so, But a fresh pair of underwear midday, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like. Yeah, I go through 20 pair a week, Jeff. I change like three times a day. T-shirts wow. as the well. Math does not that doesn't add up to. But anyway, three times a day. Mm-hmm. I'm not. You got me outpaced. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't listeners please don't underestimate <laughs> the value of a fresh pair of underwear. And you know what I've I've moved towards is the uh, the kind that are made from that wicking material. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That just I don't even know if that's a real thing. Maybe it's all placebo, but it seems to like just keep that air the Netherlands <laughs> a little more fresh, a little more. Uh, so anyway, um, I don't know why you think you should introduce the show versus me. So uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get some listener response on that. Uh, but I know what they're longing for and what I'm longing for is small talk oh, with Greg. Do we yeah. have any small talk with Greg this morning? Well, maybe a follow-up to the uh, the wheelchair experience for our listeners that might How remember. How in the fuck could there be a follow-up to this? Okay, I'm all in now. Yeah, so as folks hopefully remember, a month or so ago, I ran across a wheelchair next to a ditch, turned upside down, and had to investigate. And there's a story there, but they would have to go back and go listen back. to that. You remember which episode that was? I don't remember. I know. Anyway, you have to go find it. So this time, I'm riding along, and I come to stoplight, and I look off to my right, and there's a walker there, a walker in the grass, standing up, and it had the plastic bag around it like they just went to the Dollar Tree, walked their way out there, and they left their items in their bag hooked to the walker, but there's nobody around. And and it's, it wasn't at a bus stop. It wasn't at some intersection where you think somebody got in a car there or something. So I took a picture of it this time. And I, I'm trying to understand the story behind that. Like somebody used their walker to get up to this point and then decided, I, I don't need this anymore. What do you think it was a miracle? Like, Well, that was my first thought. Thank you, Jesus. Like <laughs> I have been healed. Like, And they just went running. I'm thinking that it's happened before, but I don't know the story. It's happened before. <laughs> what, do you mean, what the fuck you mean it's happened before? A miracle on the sidewalk has yes. happened before? Yes, Peter no, reached out and seized those. him by the hand no, and pulled him up those. and he leapt around, leaping no, for joy. You gotta go to those one of those prosperity gospel people and you gotta sow a faith seed and then you can't you can't get that shit for free. Miracles aren't free anymore. I, I didn't say that. Come on, but man. The idea was is there's still some kind of story that somebody gave up on their walker and abandoned so it. So do we have do we know the story? No, I was going with the healing, but I don't oh. know if there's a, you know, I've been told that's probably the least likely, but it's it seems legit to me. 
I'm going to go with the least likely. But right. man, that's the fact that you have no resolution to that for us is like, <laughs> like dude, you can't fucking leave me hanging at the <laughs> walker just sitting there. You, you're going to investigate. Like we need the listeners want more, Greg. Oh. They don't want this like cliffhanger ending here like and then the person was gone so i've actually failed at small talk because at the end of it you're supposed to be thinking i wish this was over sooner i don't know that's a good question we might be into a nuance of small talk because i'm i'm actually like wanting more Mm -hmm. like wow greg i I can't wait to hear the rest of that story yeah okay i'll I'll do some more digging you might be you might have like exemplified advanced small talk skills this morning. That's good. I I will tell you this. One of our listeners uh, sent me a link to a book on Amazon called The Art of Small Talk. Oh, yeah. Did (laughs) you get it? Not yet. Not yet. But I haven't got it yet. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, I don't know that you need it. In fact, you may consider writing your own because your skills, I mean, I'm impressed. I was legit in on that story. Usually I just am like, Okay, Cam. But I mean, that was that's solid. All right. So, well, uh, what what are we talking about today? We got yeah. anything that we want to jump into? Yes, and it's it's going to be a big leap from where we started the show. Okay, I don't think that's unusual, is it? I mean, <laughs> well, but this leap is to big. say that we're tangential uh, might be an understatement. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked before about how society has shaped us and what we believe and how we act, uh, and we've talked about how we can be. Um, intentional and deliberate about what we choose is important to us and what we choose to do. But what I want to ask you about today, and we can we can discuss this, is what things are working inside of us, like a, a background operating system that causes us or influences decisions without the benefit of all that thought. You know, like, so something happens to me and I immediately respond, or I should say react to it. Things are happening in my brain that I don't know about that I'm not controlling. I mean, does that make sense? Yes, and, that does make sense. And I, I, I want to investigate that so that I can uh, get a rein on those things, you know? Right. Um, the, the, the most obvious one, and we've talked about this a little bit before, is the fight or flight response. So what's going on there where I don't think through it, but I just immediately react? Well, there's a couple of different things that, and, and the, as we talk about this thing, you have to remember is the, the brain, the, how the brain produces what we consider to be consciousness is just fucking like, what? Is it reality? How does, that, how does that blob produce? The, like, that's just like, yeah. so when, when we talk about all these things, we are deep dive into the theoretical. All right. Mm -hmm. Like, which is a, is a fancy way to say making shit up. Okay. I like the term theoretical much more than making shit up. Right. Right. But, and, and there's been advancements and anyway, the way that I have understood it is, you know, you're born with trillions and trillions and trillions of synapses in your brain firing, right? Just, and, as you, from roughly age zero to three, your brain is, when they say that, you know, a child's brain is a sponge, like, that shit's true. And mm. it, and and when I say zero, I'm talking conception. Mm. Uh, because people are affected by, you know, we've determined that people can be infect, 
affected by traumatic experiences while they're in the womb. So mm-hmm. we're going all the way to zero. So, but at, at around the age of three, your brain begins this pruning process, which means certain part of your brains have been activated by your external experiences and certain parts of your brain have not. And so the brain, the, the parts of your brain that have not those synapse, they, they start to go dormant and so then you start to develop this hardwired, doing air quotes, mm-hmm. hardwiring that for survival, right? This, this will get a pellet. This will not get a pellet. This will get a pellet. This will not get a pellet. This will not. So all of that is completely subconscious. Mm-hmm. And, Again, when I trained 20-ish years ago, right, the theory was that at age seven, personality was rigid. You're done. Like Mm. what you have developed into at age seven is, there you go, deal with it. Wow. Yeah. Um, Since then, there have been advanced discussion in what, what we call neuroplasticity and the brain's ability to change and all of those kinds of things. And that there's a lot of, I mean, we could go on a, on a lot of different tangents in that. Um, one that I think would be interesting would be the use of psych- psychedelics and neuroplasticity, but we can, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll do the next episode. Yeah, okay. Not advocating the use <laughs> of psychedelics, but uh, anyway, so, that gives you just kind of a sense, and that's you know what I'm 20 years into this career, so 25 years ago, not that long ago, right? That it's being asserted that the hand that you have been dealt by age seven is well, you're just going to figure this shit out from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was enough data there to say that change after that point is fucking tough. Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not impossible. You can do it. If 25 years ago we thought that change, significant change in personality behavior after age seven was essentially impossible, right? I mean, we weren't fucking idiots. There was enough data right. there to say right. that it's really, really difficult. And the, the most difficult aspect of that is sustained change. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do something for a week, you know, something like that. There, there used to be a rule of thumb that it takes 30 days to make a habit. And it's like, nope, that's wrong. (laughs) You guess how long it takes to make a habit as long as it fucking takes. (laughs) That's how long it takes. So it's just very difficult. And so it, it may be useful to think that your life experience up to age seven was a path that you kept that kept you alive. Mm -hmm. And maybe it wasn't the perfect path. Maybe it was a very, very difficult path, Mm -hmm. but it kept your ass alive. Yeah. So then your, your, your primal brain, right? Your amygdala always wants you to return to that path. Uh, There's a lot of different things within the brain that can cause me to deviate from the path. Luck. You know, we've talked about this yeah. before. I could win the fucking lottery, uh, <laughs> but then my brain wants to pull me yeah. back to homeostasis. Right? Willpower. Mm-hmm. I can I can will myself to change for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. but willpower is exhaustible. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not a permanent state. Right. It's, it's it's effort. It's not effortless. 
And so again, that survival brain can pull me back to that original path. Yeah. And again, all of this is on a completely subconscious level because I've not even I've not even really evaluated all of the things that have created that path. Right. What were those influences? What were those voices from my past? What all of those kinds of things. So so th- that was a hardwire and you're talking about that. Yes. You get hardwired up to age seven. And then things just work automatically, so to speak. Then the subconscious is always pulling me back to that path, Mm -hmm. somehow pulling me back to that path. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like for me, you know, I grew up the fat kid, right? Mm -hmm. And from early on, I mean, definitely ages three to seven were fat kid was very much reinforced in, in my personal experience. And so then I hit age seven, right? Well, then I start to grow. <laughs> I start to become athletic and physically and even functionally, I'm no longer the fat kid, but the brain is still oriented to the fat kid. Yeah. And the capacity for me to sabotage my personal physical fitness is it's fucking insane mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because your brain is telling you dude you're all the, the fat kid yeah. eat you 42 donuts and enjoy those <laughs> i mean it's just like yeah. and the fact that i still have to assert as much effort against that fuck man i'm 50 years old you know it's like <laughs> yeah. it just and the thing that i think is that we're just incredibly naive and i think that naivete is exploited mm-hmm. by me luring you in to thinking that change is easy. So then I want you to believe this fallacy that change is easy. And then oftentimes, whatever that change is that I'm endeavoring in has some source of shame. So I hide it. Mm-hmm. So now I've got unrealistic expectations in secrecy and isolation. Now, okay, so I've got this pathway in my subconscious, right? It's the path that has kept me alive. Now I'm like, I think I'm going to go down a new path, right? Mm -hmm. So I go down this new path with unrealistic expectations in isolation without adequate support. And it's like, man, ain't gonna fucking work. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a disaster there. And then (laughs) then I get pulled back to that original behavior and then... I have more sense of self-doubt and defeated. Yeah. I've been defeated and more shame, and then I just stay on the path. Yeah, So, and then your hardwiring gets strengthened because it says, even if there was some good on that, that path off to the side, it's like the hardwiring says, no, that didn't work, so let's just stay right here where we've been going. Well, you, you brought up something in that, though, when you said in isolation, because I think we talked once about part of the key is when we're faced with something that's causing us to uh, to make that fight or flight decision, but like you said, it's not a decision. It's just it's hardwired in. If at some point we think that's not the right one or we don't want to do it that way, we get out of isolation. I mean, that's not the way you'd say it, but maybe you back up into a place where you have people around you that can offer support or they can allow you that safety to make the decision to face something? Well, you have to have that. And the reason is that we have part of the survival mechanism is, is a, 
is a part of the brain that it's called thought perseveration. Thought perseveration, the root of perseveration is persevere. So the subconscious mind, the survival brain, starts perseverating, producing thoughts that it wants to persevere. It wants me to think that I have no control over those thoughts. So I start to, I, you know, my rational brain, my prefrontal cortex has this like super duper good idea, right? And I'm going to try this <laughs> or maybe I see an infomercial or whatever it is that, that gives some sort of level of inspiration. Yeah. Then I start to deviate towards that. Well, here comes this thought perseveration and it can take on a lot of forms. It can be thoughts. It can be a feelings. Mm-hmm. So if if the survival brain has to produce, the number one thing it does is when I start to uh, deviate from that path is produce anxiety. What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing this? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, because I'll have clients come in and they're talking about how these new changes are, you know, initially, you know, there's there's a novelty to it, whatever. So there's a dopamine rush that comes along with that. So I've got this this very temporal sense of invincibility. And it's like, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like I start to have all of the, I start to have a lot of emotional distress and that's that survival response saying, get your ass back on that path. Yeah. So if I'm going to overcome that, right, because that battle occurs in my brain. Mm-hmm. If I'm not connected to you, sharing with you, hey, dude, this is the change that I'm trying to make, and I don't know what I need from you, whatever, it, to, to help me persevere through that transition. And again, that's where, so now I'm having a conversation with you about the change that I want to make. So that's the removal of shame. So there goes the secrecy. Mm-hmm. Now we're connected, right? So we now have this chemical bond of oxytocin, mm-hmm. which is a robust chemical connection. And now that we have that connection, then I can make that change and I can sustain that change. But when I do it in isolation and I take on this you know, whatever the stimulus is that tells me how easy this is going to be and you can do it two and three easy steps and all of those kinds of things. And I'm like, oh, awesome. There's there's the opportunity for me to make the change that I finally wanted to change. And then my DVDs come, when I'm fucking DVDs, streaming, <laughs> sorry, I got to get my yeah. up to speed, whatever that is. And then like maybe, maybe a week, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, we don't even pick it up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because that am, that amygdala says, "Meh, don't 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 do it now." Yeah, you don't yeah. need to do it now. Yeah, it's, sitting on the couch has been working for you. Right? Why are you going to go do? Let's that? watch. You, you can do it later. Like let's let's watch yeah. some YouTube videos, like yeah. you know, or whatever you know, like you you know. And so that that's why fucking so many people own exercise equipment that are just clothing racks, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Tell me how this worked. Then is this a, this the same idea of? In the beginning of 2020, my wife and daughter decided they want to run to do the couch to 5K, so we all did it together. And it seemed strange for all of us. We weren't runners, but it worked. 
uh, and then I, after the winter, I said, well, I'm going to do this again. And I, I bought the shoes. You know, I spent quite a bit of money on some nice running shoes. <laughs> uh, but they sat in the closet for a month, you know, before I said, I got to do this. It's not so much that the person is encouraging you on to do it, but you're saying there's some kind of chemical thing that says since I've got somebody on my side that something triggers. Yeah, that it just, I mean, you, but we are biochemical, right? So when you think about those connections, it's fascinating because, you know, when you think about people accomplishing some of the most amazing feats, you know, you think about, you know, Navy SEALs, you know, that's like associated with that. And, you know, the research is pretty conclusive that the reason that they do a lot of the extraordinary things that they do I mean, they're fucking badasses, yeah. like first and foremost, <laughs> yes. they're fucking badasses. Um, Joe Rogan had a guest one time. I wish I could remember his name, but he was talking about how, you know, essentially what we could train a monkey to do the things that we do, but that's not the difference maker. The difference maker is when they're asked why they do it and they say, because the guy next to me would do it for me. So when you think about that, that level, and that's, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, and I'm going to keep talking about it a lot. That connection, man, for men to really support other men, and then that sense of honorable commitment to the other man. Yeah. It's fucking powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and that's not, that's not like a romantic sentiment that, you know, that's not like, you know, and, and, and it, it's <laughs> like, no, that's just fucking, that's, that's biologically, physiologically, that, that's what happens. Yeah. And so when you, you know, when you tie another man, when you tie one man to another man or a group of men together, it's powerful force, man. It's cool. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not cool super cool for women somebody somebody <laughs> another podcast can talk about that That's That's, right. i'm not saying any of that i'm just saying that for and we don't we don't leverage that force man we yeah. just don't fucking leverage that force and it's too bad well that that could be the the tip for the day the ball <laughs> scratcher <laughs> yeah you need to have a little sound bite for that that's good right? that yeah. would be like, yeah you know when you when you're forced with, forced in a situation where you want to make a change from what your hardwiring is telling you then pull back and, and make those connections with uh, with other men so that not only do you have the emotional support, but that biochemical thing that's going on, it gives you what you need. Yeah, and one thing that I have learned personally and experientially is men, uh, <laughs> cheesy therapy word in three, two, one, celebrating each other like we have no fucking clue and then getting a group of men there's in group therapy um uh, there's stages of group development forming storming norming performing right mm -hmm. forming the group comes together storming the pissing match to see who's in charge and mm -hmm. who's gonna who's gonna dictate things and those kinds of things most groups break down there they they mm -hmm. can't get past the storming phase then but if they do then there's new norms we the group develop how we're going to function uh, and when that happens in a group, man, it's fucking magic. It's so cool to watch that happen. And then that, then of course, is the entryway into performing where the group then just goes like ballistic into accomplishing stuff. 
And that's the kind of groups I've seen that have worked. The ones that have worked, um, there was some purpose where we were doing something together. And it didn't matter why we came together, but it's like we had some something to go do, right. you know? And so maybe the, the storming and all that kind of occurred. And it's cool, <laughs> you right? Because when men can... When men can rally around something concrete, like mm-hmm. go build some shit or clean some yeah. shit up or something yeah. like that, we can. That's when we really can activate this. Yeah. And but in terms of emotionally supporting each other, <laughs> well, it, nope, and, not so great at that. <laughs> I ain't got no goddamn feeling. What are you talking about? <laughs> I feel good. Or I feel bad. Well, I remember two feelings. That's all. Good and bad. <laughs> I worked with a couple of guys uh, before I was married, and we had no idea what marriage was about. Not that I know much now, but but and there's no way we were going to talk about that. You know, right. like here's how I feel about this. But the two deep conversation I had conversations that I had, one of them was underneath a, a blazer a pickup truck, putting in a transmission, and so he's jacking it up. I'm trying to stab the bolts, and he goes. And and my friend says, yeah, I'm thinking about asking her to marry me. And I'm thinking, I'm just trying to get this bolt in here. <laughs> but, you know, it's like that was, we were together. It was like, it was safe, you know. And we had a little bit of that conversation. But when it finished was we were working in the garage, putting up a new door. And so we got the door. They were both on either side of it. The door shut. It's still nailed to the frame. And we're trying to get it aligned. And he goes, yeah, I talked to her about that the other day. <laughs> and I'm starting to laugh because it's like we're on the other side of a door and you're going deep. That's right. But it, it was safe and it worked out. And I wish I'd have been um, smart enough then to, to walk him through it. You know, I mean, I just said, dude, you're in this deep. You got to go. I mean, that's all I need to say. But he needed probably somebody to offer him some empathy. Well, and that's the <laughs> thing for guys, like whenever we happen across vulnerability, the only thing that we ever need to say is, what do you need from me? But a lot of times in our own, we do this in our fucking marriages, and that's why we don't get laid as much as we'd like. So don't do this. Uh, is we want to fix it, right? Mm-hmm. So our mm-hmm. own insecurity, our own feeling that, oh, well, I got to, you know, I'm inadequate. I've got to prove my adequacy by fixing this, yeah. by giving yeah. her advice, telling her what, and, and that that can be superimposed in our friendships or whatever to where it's like, we'll do that same thing. Well, here's what you ought to do. God damn it. I mean, what the fuck's so hard about that? You just like, you know, and that's really about my need to feel secure. So I'm going to espouse my infinite wisdom upon you. Mm-hmm. And, but there, there is an inherent validation when I ask the question, so what do you need from me? That one, y- you have a level of self-competence that you know, mm-hmm. right? That, well, this is what I could use, man, which may be advice, yeah. right? Like yeah. what, what the fuck would you do? Yeah. Well, I'd run for my goddamn life, but I'm, <laughs> I mean, that's just yeah. whatever that is. But, but because of our insecurity in those vulnerable emotions, right? We, yeah. we typically go to advice giving or we'll tell some kind of stupid fucking joke or so, yeah. which I mean, the jokes are good. I like a good joke. Yeah. Um, but somewhere within that exchange, some form of, so what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. is really what what we need 
right? Mm-hmm. What what I need from you is that validation, one, that you're in it with me, and two, want to give me the support that I need yeah, and that I'm competent enough to define that. Yeah, that's a big part. Versus saying, well, you dumb fuck, here's what you need. Now, that that was easy. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's it's just, but we just don't have we don't have those skills. Yeah, and uh, it, it, and and when we activate that, what I, the changes that I've seen in men, uh, in terms of getting off of that path of survival, and into their best life ever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a jab. Yeah, life coaches, it, it's cool what what can be accomplished. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I like that a lot. And I was wondering, as you were talking, how do you get the bond? I understand that we need that bond with with other men in order to to push past whatever our hardwiring is telling us to do. Uh, but I think that's a key phrase, though, is to ask somebody, what do you need from me? And then maybe if I need something, maybe I need to be able to define that, like you said, to another man right. to say. And I, if you can't define it, then you need to go fucking do a little more work, right? Like, yeah. okay, dude, like I'm not going to work harder on your problem than you're going to work on your right. problem. I mean, I'm right. I'm here to help. I want to help you, but uh, let me know. Man. Yeah. yeah. And which is going to then activate, you know, you – spending more time evaluating what it is that you want, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Because oftentimes, oftentimes when I'm insecure, right, I don't want responsibility for whatever it is that's (laughs) making me insecure, right? So if I'm making a choice about do I or do I not spend the rest of my life with this woman, fuck, man, that's (laughs) intense. I'm going to go ask Greg because I want Greg on the hook yeah, for this shit. Right, hey, right. Greg, should I marry her or should I run for my life? That way you're responsible for fucking up my life if it gets fucked up. So we don't want to play into that. We just want to say, dude, I'm here to support you. What do you, what do you need? Yes, yes. That's great. That's great. Well, Jeff, there were so many other aspects of how our brain kind of hijacks our mind. <laughs> to where we're not really able to to think through it, but just react. But I don't think we have time to get to that all today. But okay. I think we have at least solved this problem. Uh, I hope so. Uh, it's simple, not easy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a time where complexity is, it, it, it particularly you see this on a political level. And I'm not saying that politics aren't complex, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> uh, I ain't fucking stupid. Right. Uh, and so so we, we live in this era of complexity and expertise and and just infinite nuances and specialist this specialist that all of those kinds of things and it's like no nah, it ain't that fucking complex it's it it's simple once you understand it mm-hmm. how my brain is designed to function and then when i want to deviate from that what it takes to deviate Massive effort. It's just hard. Yeah. And you you have to 100% commit to it. You have to know that that zero to seven hard wiring mm-hmm. is going to try to sabotage. Mm-hmm. It's going to get you to put it off to whatever those, that perseverating, those persever, yeah. perseverating thoughts, you're going to get lost in that, which is going to create self-doubt. That's why... 
you have to begin the process with realistic expectations and you have to have somebody that can help you down that path of change that you want to make. Absolutely. Well, thanks for all that. Hey, you're welcome. You know, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> it's what you do. Guys, are you tired of smelling like a floral arrangement when you use your lady's soap? Well, try the Minimalist Bar at 6 and 0. It's all natural, free of unnecessary chemicals, and it will get you clean. 6 and com. All right, guys. Well, um, we want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast, to check out our Facebook page at Becoming Man Made Today. And also give us five stars. Five stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even whether we deserve it or not. Cool. Yeah. Throw us a bone here. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Till next time. All right. Thank you. Man made.